Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 17th November 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, AstraZeneca's CEO on obesity and more, Biotech's roller coaster ride set to continue, new data for Wagovi, Novo's plans for semaglutide in Nash, and Zepbound set to become biggest drug ever. One day after AstraZeneca reported third quarter sales and earnings results and announced a licensing deal to bring in an oral GLP-1 agonist for obesity, CEO Pascal Soriot outlined his thinking on the future of obesity drug development and how the company might fit into what is expected to be a crowded market. During a media briefing in New York City on 10th November, Sorio commented on the new obesity deal as well as other topics like the company's commitment to gene therapy, tension in China and a new Medicare drug price negotiation programme that will involve one of the company's top-selling drugs, Fagshiga, Jessica Merrill writes. With a heritage in cardiometabolic disease, AstraZeneca sees a big opportunity to leverage its current strengths in the budding obesity market. By bringing in an oral GLP-1 agonist from Echogene in Shanghai that has completed Phase 1 testing, the company hopes to catch up to rivals by differentiating with combination regimens. You might say it's crowded, Sorio said, but the next generation of products have to be oral agents. I think they have to be combinations. AstraZeneca is interested in moving into the category on two fronts, both with combinations. One is by tackling obesity in patients who need to lose a significant amount of weight, say 25%, but with a focus on better quality weight loss, so retaining muscle, an issue of concern with the first wave of drugs approved for obesity. We have an amazing product in development that we believe should also help people lose additional weight, be well tolerated and help people lose more fat than muscle. So our idea is to combine those two agents, he said, referring to an internal programme and the newly licensed GLP-1. On the other hand, Sorio said, there is also a big opportunity in what he referred to as weight management in individuals who have a slightly elevated body mass index and other risk factors like high cholesterol, hypertension or kidney disease. This is really right now in our perch, he said, because the company has a big presence in cardiovascular disease and diabetes with Fajiga, and is developing an oral PCSK9 inhibitor for high cholesterol. AstraZeneca is interested in combining the GLP-1 agonists with those agents with the idea of targeting diseases, risk factors and helping people lose a little bit of weight, 5-10%, to he said. For details of the CEO's other comments on gene therapy, China and the impact of IRA in the US, see the full article. Lean times in biotech financing look set to continue into 2024, with the greatest hope for improvement coming from increased M&A and deal-making activity. That's according to a new survey of 600 executives drawn from investors and senior biopharma leaders conducted by investment bank Jefferies ahead of its recent annual healthcare conference in London, Andrew McConaughey writes. Asked about the sector's biggest headwind, Respondents unsurprisingly identified raising capital, with 68% stating that the current economic environment was having a major adverse impact on fundraising efforts. Gil Barnahum, who's EMEA Head of Biotechnologies at Jefferies, said there were more tough times to come in the near term. 
I think there's going to be a bit of a roller coaster as the market continues to stabilise or tries to stabilise. The ability to raise enough money remains a pretty big concern. But as we think about the future, as long as these programmes continue to find financing, I think the future remains bright. That verdict reflects a continuing downward trend in biotech stocks over the course of 2023 with wider economic concerns, including higher interest rates and geopolitical tensions weighing on global stocks. The IPO market remains highly uncertain, with views mixed as to whether it will return to previous levels next year. However, for early-stage biotech and specialist pharma, 2023 has been a thin year as most big pharma M&A deals have been focused on companies with late-stage assets or with products already on the market. Scores of companies have cut back pipelines and headcounts in order to extend their cash runways, but having reduced these in 2023 will have little left to cut next year. That means licensing deals remain vital for biotech companies looking to reach the next development milestones in their R&D pipelines and commercialisation plans. Eli Lilly may have just made its big move into obesity with the recent US approval of ZepBound, but Nova Nordisk is fighting back hard and looks likely to take its obesity blockbuster Wagovi to the next level. Wagovi has a good chance of adding a cardioprotective claim to its label after cutting the risk of mortality in the SELECT trial presented at the annual meeting of the American Heart Association in Philadelphia to a markedly greater degree than in a similar trial in diabetes patients. Questions about reimbursement and supply, however, are not going away, Elizabeth Cairns writes. SELECT compared the GLP-1 agonist with placebo as an adjunct to standard of care for prevention of major adverse cardiovascular events, or MACE, defined as cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarction, or non-fatal stroke. The trial was vast, incorporating more than 17,000 patients aged 45 years or older with overweight or obesity and established cardiovascular disease with no prior history of diabetes. In August, the Danish firm stated that Govi had comfortably hit this mark, with a statistically significant and superior 20% cut in the risk of MACE compared with placebo. But regulators need more detailed data before making an approval call, and data on death rates in the study were particularly keenly awaited. The results have now been revealed as startlingly positive. Wagovi cut the risk of death from cardiovascular causes by 15% compared with the control and the risk of death from all causes by 19%. It also reduced the risk of heart attacks by 28% and crucially hit these marks in patients who were already on statins and other medicines to prevent cardiac events. The data looked good enough to expand Wagovi's label and thus permit wider usage. Novo has already filed the select data in both the US and EU for reducing the risk of major cardiovascular events in people with an initial BMI of 27 kg per meter square and established cardiovascular disease. But the next issue for Novo is whether such a claim will support broader payer adoption, partly mitigating the impact on Mugovi sales caused by the launch of ZepBound. Non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH, is not the primary therapeutic focus at Novo Nordisk, unlike some other companies such as Madrigal Pharmaceuticals. 
The Danish company has been keeping its ambitions in Nash close to its chest, but Nova Nordisk Senior Global Medical Director Jeppe Zaccio offered Scripps Joseph Haas some details at the American Association for the Study of Liver Disease annual meeting. Other Nash companies are eyeing Nova Nordisk's Nash efforts partly because they centre around its GLP-1 agonist semaglutide. Already a blockbuster for type 2 diabetes in injectable form as Ozempic and oral form as Ribelsus, and leading a growing market for new weight loss drugs as Wagovi. Novo Nordisk is studying semaglutide as monotherapy in NASH and also in combination trials with Gilead Sciences, FXR agonist Silofexor and ACC inhibitor Fursacostat. But Novo is pursuing internal combination strategies as well, likely aiming at the combination therapy competition that's expected to follow approval of the first solo agents for NASH. Madrigal's resmatyron is under review for US approval with the 14th March 2024 user fee date. At AASLD on 11th November, Zaccio told Script that it has the Phase 3 essence study ongoing, testing both semaglutide monotherapy in NASH as well as a combination arm testing the drug with its internally discovered FGF21 analogue NN9500. In Phase 2, the company is investigating its combination agent Kagrisima, a type 2 diabetes candidate, which includes both semaglutide and long-acting amylin analogue Kagrilintide, which should yield data in early 2025. We have a rich and large pipeline that we are really excited about, Zaccio said. This includes earlier stage assets, some in Phase 1 and some about to enter the clinic, he added, while declining to say more about them. However, during an investor call in early 2023, Head of Development Martin Holst-Langer said Nova Nordisk had begun 52-week Phase 1 studies testing potential NASH therapies that target the liver X receptor and hepatocyte MARC1. These apparently stem from the Danish firm's $3.3 billion buyout of the RNA interference biotech Dicerna Pharmaceuticals in 2021. Both assets are aiming for long-term NASH resolution and fibrosis improvement, with monthly or even less frequent dosing, Holster Langer said, during the firm's Q4 2022 earnings call on 1st February. With semaglutide, Nova Nordisk is expecting to report Phase 3 monotherapy data in late 2024, with a hope that this could lead to an initial approval in NASH, Zaccio said. Those data will be an interim readout from Essence, which Nova Nordisk expects to yield liver outcomes data in 2028. Here, Zaccio said the company is following Madrigal's path in seeking what likely would be an accelerated approval prior to gaining full approval with the outcomes data, a pattern well established in cardiovascular indications. Finally, some analysts are forecasting peak annual sales for ZepBound, Eli Lilly's newly approved obesity product, of around $40 billion. Since, they say, this will occur in the mid-2030s, the implied lifetime sales for the product are in excess of $290 billion, Elizabeth Cairns and Edwin Elmhurst write. This would leave the biggest seller to date, Humira, in the dust. True, this is based on data from just a couple of brokers, evaluates consensus for ZepBound is more conservative and depends on the product gaining widespread reimbursement and a cardioprotective claim, neither of which are guaranteed. 
but even so, expectations for Zepbound are at fever pitch. In the shorter term, however, Keytruda is the one to watch. Merck cancer powerhouse has sold a cumulative $77 billion so far, but the sell side sees a further $172 billion coming to Merck and its partners in the next five years. Keytruda's patent expires at the end of 2028, however, so the subcutaneous formulation currently in late-stage trials will have to come good. If that does happen, it's possible that Keytruda's lifetime sales could eventually top Humira's. Comianati, Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine has the highest ever single-year revenues in history, $59 billion in 2021. It's interesting to note that the US Inflation Reduction Act, which allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices and puts a cap on price hikes, will only seriously affect one drug on our list of all-time biggest sellers. Only Bristol-Myers Squibb's Eliquis and Amgen's Embril are among the 10 drugs named as subject to price negotiation and Embril's glory days are already behind it. Nova Nordisk's GLP-1 agonist Ozempic has brought the Danish group $19 billion since its first launch for type 2 diabetes in 2018 and is forecast to rake in almost $110 billion more in the next five years. Looking solely at revenue forecasts for the coming half-decade, finds Ozempic in third place, only very narrowly behind Eliquis. The same molecule appears again as Wagovi for obesity, in which guise it's forecast to yield cumulative revenues of $69 billion from this year to 2028. Munjaro, Lily's rival Incretin for diabetes, is also in the top 15 future bestsellers. It's forecast to sell $51 billion over the next five years, according to Evaluate's consensus but it may have much greater sales potential in the years after that. In a note dated 10th October, analysts from City set out their expectations for Munjaro. They suggested it could sell just shy of $5 billion in 2023 and forecast 2028 revenues of $38 billion. The figure for 2035 is a whopping $59 billion, equaling Cominati's single-year record. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. All these articles are linked in the description below and form just a small part of Scripps' global coverage last week. Log in to access all of our content or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.